0: And behold, at 11 11 11, the checkered flag fell for number 11. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Just add water.
1: Who knew all we needed to, to actually make Singapore a more boring shit show? Arguably. Was just, just add water. Who knew? Welcome to episode 401 of Motorsport 101. The, the fifth chapter of hundreds starts off with the Singapore Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, four, 401. <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite the milestone. Um, hope everybody enjoyed episode 400. I know we certainly did back in December, but hey, it, it counts. It counts. But uh I hope you guys enjoyed that. But uh yeah, in this episode we're gonna be talking all about the Singapore Grand Prix and well, everything other than the Singapore Grand Prix, because this race was kind of the sideshow. You know, this this was uh th- there was a lot to talk about off the track as well as on the track this weekend. We had heavy, serious, potentially massive rumors flying around regarding two teams in the paddock and the cost cap we'll be talking about our favorite subject stewarding you know that thing we fixed when we fired michael massey at the end of That's last right. year we fixed that so why yeah. are we talking about it again are are we just
0: like reinforcing the point that it's fits now <laughs>
1: Sorry, I can't make sarcastic jokes about it anymore. People on Twitter will come after me. It's terrible. Look, you just
0: you just got to keep make sure you maintain about a good 10 tweets distance
1: uh, at all times <laughs> while doing so. <laughs> yeah, just, and, and if you do do it, make sure you don't do it more than twice. The third time's when the real penalty kicks in. Oh, You know, you just got to make absolutely sure of it, you see. But yes number 11 came through Sergio Perez won the Singapore Grand Prix yeah the streak is over the Vettel Nine Waste win streak is safe yes Ooh, safe for another year baby we love to see it like it's, I'm, I'm gonna be like those unbeaten Miami Dolphins who just <laughs> who just crack open a glass a, a glass of champagne every time the last unbeaten team falls <laughs> you know, like I- I'm not, I am petty about this. I don't care, and I and I will die on this hill. But yes, yeah, Sergio Perez winning, you know, the the Singapore Grand Prix. Jason points out, listening in on uh, from our Discord uh, as well. The 100 the percent safety car streak was kept alive pretty much straight away, which I- which I do appreciate. Um, Charles De on the podium as well as Serge- as well as uh, Carlos signs there. When was the last time as well that we had the two best drivers in the world look so mid? Uh, we're
0: going to talk about that because that was the that was the other big takeaway uh, other than a very, very impressive and at points controversial victory for one Sergio
1: Perez. Mm-hmm. We're talking all about that and how we got to set points. Uh, we'll be talking about the potentially huge news that uh, – Red Bull and Aston Martin may or may not have broken the cost cap. Um, Feud story and, and, you know, based in rumor, but uh, it's been picked up by pretty much every major platform in the land. So naturally, we're going to talk about it because it could have very, very serious ramifications um, and potentially what could come about as a result of that one. And we'll be talking about Singapore's general shithousery, because who knew that this track would be so goddamn treacherous if you just added just a little bit of rain? Like the the big stuff we can take care of, but the little bit, the the stuff that kept the track wet for so long could cause such carnage.
0: This was a terrible, terrible day for the East Asian contingent on the grid. Terrible day for Williams. But there are uh, people that had good days that we want to talk about.
1: Oh, yeah, we'll get through the ups and downs of all of that. Oh, by the way, forgot to mention, it's just the two of us here. It's me and RJ O'Connell. It's a, just, it's a cozy edition. We're on the couch again. Um, RJ got the butter popcorn. He's, he's a good sport like that. Now, we- how did
0: you know that that's what I was having a snack on before we started recording?
1: I just—we share the same brain cell, O'Connell. It's just one of these things. We're just gonna have to get used to it. Maybe
0: I should—maybe I should just leave my microphone closed in the Discord calls before we start recording. <laughs>
1: while I'm having snacks, I have no idea what you're talking about. Shall i shall I tell them when they can find us in the meantime? While you're hiding can do that. Good idea. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook, same slash. We're on Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101. And if you have to follow our personal handles, you can. And Harrison101HD and RJ O'Connell. Uh, we're also going to have Cam on the episode 402 to talk about MotoGP in Thailand. Miggy, Rain God, etc., etc. That'll be on 402. But you can follow him at CBuckley917. You can catch all of our content on our website, motorsport One Hundred and One com, including written reviews of both this weekend and as said, as mentioned, MotoGP in Thailand as well. And yeah, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport one hundred and one. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our of our episodes before they go live to the public, and access to our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. You because can I share- love that. And I' would love to see how the sausage is made. Exactly. Just two of us sharing the same brain cell, talking about things left behind at Talladega this past weekend. <sighs> As you do, including tor- torn couches, TVs, and wheelchairs. <sighs> I, I do agree with uh, Bozy
0: Tatarovich's assessment that this threat is made every year to try and shame people into picking up their stuff after themselves after they leave the track. Of course it is. I mean, who just leaves buying couches like that? I mean, they look ratty, but they're still usable for their basic functions. Right. Unless you just don't want to bring them with you anymore, in which case, whatever. Just, just find a better place to throw that stuff away.
1: Yeah, use the recycling departments around you. If you're you can afford to bring an RV down... to to a NASCAR weekend, you can find a responsible place to recycle your old shit. At least least that's how I see it anyway. Should we we talk about Singapore, RJ?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the Singapore Grand Prix and everything else that came through.
0: Listen, I'm just so happy that the closest thing that we have to an OG wipeout circuit on the Formula One calendar <laughs> is is back. I mean, other than Jeddah, but that feels more like a wipeout circuit in the way that it's designed. You know, way too fast and claustrophobic with no runoff
1: whatsoever. Odessa Keys. We, we, we're not here for that. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. This one really didn't go by the form book. No, That's- it didn't. Max's win streak is over, but we went through an awful lot to get to that point. Sergio Perez took the lead five seconds in with a brilliant second second phase of his launch and then would hold off Charles pretty much all the way through, including the late assault on uh, on slick tires, but he won ultimately convincingly ahead of both Ferraris, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. But we didn't actually get the official result until two hours later when Sergio was called to the stewards for three separate counts, (laughs) three, count them um, of three counts of not being within 10 car lengths of the safety car. This was during two of the safety cars we had over the course of the race. I believe one of them was lap 10 and the other one was, was back towards the end of the race. Um, And the second safety car, he did it twice where he was more than 10 car lengths back This was a strange one. He received a reprimand for the first offense, a warning in race from race director Eduardo Freitas for the second incident, and then the third incident he was given a five-second time penalty for, but because he he went over the line ahead by seven and a half seconds, Perez got to keep the win. Controversial, to say the least. Um, So, yeah. What did we make of Sergio Perez's win and the stewarding around it, RJ?
0: Um before we talk about the stewarding, this was also a weird race where we had a it just pissed it down all weekend. We had a delayed start because of thunderstorms. We had a race that went to the time limit because of the incidents. Uh mm. and two hours. That, yeah, we, we hit the two hour limit. Sergio Perez <sighs> Look man, I know he's not fighting Matt Verstappen like Nico Rosberg used to do with Lewis Hamilton for a while, but he has been holding up his end of the deal for Red Bull racing this season. I'm tired of it being said that he hasn't been after he signed that new contract. He's he's had some rough patches, but I mean, he's not out here costing Red Bull the constructors' championship every single weekend. And this was a race that reminds you of the last day. He is in top top form. Like this was this was arguably the the best drive of his career, and he's had some good ones, like the Breakout Party in Malaysia, twenty twelve, that almost culminated his first win, but it didn't. To that miraculous charge to get that first win and secure with his career on the line. And there there have been some good ones. Is Juan Monaco, but this one was his best. I think it's fair to say, and mm. um I had a look at the I caught up with some of the post race show. Uh Counselor Sam, Sam Collins broke it down on the Telestrator. Some of the some of the instances have been dropping behind the safety car. First and foremost, we need to we need to like explore the buried lead here that cars are much longer now. Yeah, and, and, you know, 10-car back then may not be 10-car now. Who's to say? I didn't have a huge issue, and I know Lewis Hamilton was none too pleased with how the restarts were going, but he was also just having a really bad day. I didn't see an egregiously huge uh, – I didn't find it so egregious a point that they needed to uh, overturn the result. Though I do think it was kind of silly that we had another instance where, just like Austria that one year, where Verstappen and Leclerc pushed each other off at the corner, and we were waiting like several hours to figure out who actually won that race.
1: Yeah, that that's never ideal. No, and I know a friend of the, a friend of mine, Jess McFadden, over at uh, the Motorsport Network and all those sports digital content said that you know it's we shouldn't have these sorts of stewards meetings where the driver is called in. Look, I, I don't think you can go that far with it personally. Um, because you need to ask the driver. There could be some mitigating circumstances that could have played a role in what they did. So like, I don't like the fact this took two hours to come to a decision for, I think that, just seemed unnecessary. And the
0: checker flag already waved at like 45 minutes to midnight. Everybody's cranky. It's late.
1: Yeah. Like we like it it was one. It was about 115 in the morning (laughs) on Monday morning, Singapore time (laughs) when they when they released when they had the press release regarding his, his punishment. And look, I've seen people clapped first time. With a lot harsher punishment for being more than ten cars. I think Sebastian Vettel got hit with that back in twenty ten. I think it was Hungary was the year that where he was caught being ten lengths back, and then he got a five second time penalty immediately. Um, So I don't know how. I think Perez has had a very lucky escape to. Essentially, commit the same offense three times and only get one five second time penalty. But at the same time, again, he was warned during the race for the second incident. So, again, I guess they've changed. I mean, Freitas, I guess, has a different view of what to do with that incident compared to what Charlie Whiting was when he was race director. So, again, this is another one of those, I don't think there's a straightforward answer. To this sort of situation and it's a shame because it really didn't have a huge effect on this race whatsoever in terms of competitiveness and ultimately it annoys me because I think that I think the best man won and I, and I think it would have been a really harsh punishment at the same time as well to give Perez 10-15 seconds worth of time penalties for it the best man one perez was you know was miles better than the ferraris at the end of the race so like i would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen this turned around a bit quicker but ultimately i think we got the quote unquote right results at least i'd like to think so (laughs) That
0: was a, It was a good day for Sergio Perez mm-hmm. on a day where, other than Charles Leclerc, the best of the best were not on it. Lewis Hamilton and Matt Verstappen, the consensus 1A, 1B, best drivers in the sport. You can debate yourselves who gets the alpha, who gets the bravo, who's one or two. Uh, this was not their best day at the office, and they both happened at the same time. Now, in the midst of a wild qualifying session where – Leclerc, Perez, and Lewis Hamilton were all separated by 54 thousandths of a second at the end of qualifying. Verstappen might have been up there, but then he had to back out of his last flying lap in Q3 because Red Bull didn't put enough fuel in the car, and Mm. they were worried that he wouldn't have a sample to get to the, so he qualifies in eighth, and that's tough. Then he bogs down at the start and falls outside of the top 10 for a while. Silverstone isn't really an easy place to pass in in a lot of places, especially without the assistance of DRS on a damp track. But he is able to work his way up the order. And then on one of those safety car restarts caused by the incidents, I believe this was uh, the second time Yuki Tsunoda hit the wall. I don't want to talk about it. But after that safety car restart, Verstappen's trying to get past Lando Norris for fourth, and then he locks up, goes down the escape road at turn seven, In a move that he had 30 more minutes to make Mm. and eventually drops to seventh. And then Hamilton, on the other hand, he has this great qualifying effort. He's so close to a shock pull position, given the context of what Mercedes is in 2022. It's Mm. not the Mercedes that we once knew. But he's having a generally good day, but then trying to chase Carlos Sainz for third, he – Slides in the barriers at that same turn seven, hits head on the barrier. Surprised he didn't get, you know, severe damage out of it.
1: Right. Uh,
0: He French kissed that motherfucker. (sighs) And then minutes later, him and Sebastian Vettel. We'll get to him in a bit. And Verstappen are battling for seventh. Hamilton slides off the dry line, trying to keep Verstappen behind him, and he coughs up eighth place with two minutes left. Dre, you usually don't get the Capital B best struggling mm. on their way to finish a minute behind the leader, and I thought that was fascinating. Has that ever happened since Verstappen moved up to Red Bull that both these dudes have had a terrible day all in the same day?
1: Well, I guess maybe Baku last year, but that wasn't that wasn't self-inflicted with Verstappen's case. His tire just exploded. Um I cannot remember the last time where both Hamilton and Verstappen were just genuinely, just genuinely bad on the day, you know, in, in terms of relative to you know, to you know, the dizzying standards we normally have for them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm shocked personally that, uh, that that we had a Grand Prix like this. Hamilton should have really finished a comfortable third. Instead, he ends up ninth and made two critical errors. Um, over the course of that race, and Verstappen ended up going from, you know, eighth set down to thirteenth, back up to fifth again, and then back down to thirteenth, and then eventually finished pretty much where he started in seventh, um, including a last lap pass for, you know, for seventh place on Sebastian Vettel, which I was devastated about. But uh, it's this was an inherently fascinating race for that reason alone this was you know a track where people got desperate to make overtakes because the track was so strange in that it had we had thunderstorm conditions before this race started the race was delayed by just over an hour um from the usual time slot because it was torrential downpour um, it took them an hour to sweep the water off the track. And even when the cars were going around and was virtually dry in some places, there was just, it was still so slippery and there was no grip. I mean, George Russell tried a slick early. On. I think it was about like lap 24 or so. But George he tried Russell,
0: but sl- the drivers who had, uh, uncharacteristically bad days, he was oh, yeah. almost nowhere. And then trying to get around Mick Schumacher for position, he ruins both their races.
1: Oh Yeah. Like just another another guy that had an uncharacteristically bad weekend, and yeah, like he tried a slick early on and could barely stay on the lead lap. By the time it was all said and done, we they only swapped because we only had swaps because we got lucky in that Russell was just starting to hit the crossover point, and then we had another safety car. I believe that might have been for Sonoda putting it in the wall. I think and yeah like that led to everybody switching over to slicks um the timing was just perfect on that one but uh yeah it was it was wild like singapore in slippery conditions just brought out the worst in quite a few drivers we had nicholas latifi essentially crunch joe into the wall oh. um, we had again we had like hamilton and verstappen both locking up and going in you know and one going down the escape bros, another in the wall. Sonoda put it in the wall. Just uh, even George Russell, like I said, drove into the side of Mick Schumacher when trying to pass him. It was it was a sloppy, it was a bizarrely sloppy race. And yeah, we'll get into the a little bit more of that shithousery in a little bit. But uh it, it was a very strange race because the actual on track action, we didn't get very much of it at all. You know, like it was we didn't get a lot of genuine on track overtakes apart from the huge deltas of Verstappen making a comeback. Um It's 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 wild in that sense. Yeah,
0: usually like people say grain is the great equalizer and uh well this race just equalized out to being You and Cam called this a six out of ten race, and look, I, I didn't have as much time to engross myself in the whole weekend, but Mm. I'm inclined to agree based on what I saw. At least, like, there are a couple of surprising results, but not, like, terribly surprising.
1: Yeah, like, very, very bizarre stuff all around, and none of it made much sense. And like I said, we'll get into more of that a little bit later, but uh, a bizarre one, to say the least. And, yeah, Singapore del- they dealt up another one. Oh. Uh, that, that's to say the least. Now, we got to address the uh, the major off-track rumour going into this weekend. It was revealed on Thursday, I believe. It was Scott mitchell Malm at uh, the race that yeah. first was the first person to drop this report, and then everybody else kind of ran with it as we got to Singapore. Um, there was a heavy rumour that Aston Martin and Red Bull Racing have gone had minor breaches of the cost cap. Mm-hmm. Now for context last last year you could not spend more than 145 million dollars on your car and development and staff over the course of the year. Now a 5% breach of that would be around 7 and a quarter million dollars if my maths is roughly right. Yeah
0: 7 and a quarter US dollars which in British pounds translates to well, um, depending on when you listen to this, it could be any one of the numbers. Who, who, Who's to say?
1: It could be about 7.25 million pounds. I'm, I roughly make that. Um, the way the economy's been going over here. <laughs> but uh, tough, tough for us out here. But, um, you know, luckily for people like RJ, he gets paid in the pound. Um, <laughs> but good old race fans, everybody. But um, yeah, if this is true, that these two teams have had a minor breach. They could be liable for a quite large range of penalties. We could, be, right. talk- we could be talking anything from as low as a formal reprimand. It could be, you know, uh, you know, wind tunnel time being taken away. It could be cash fines. It could be a reduction of their cap for the following year. Um Even... Points deductions in last year's championship constructors or drivers. The range is wild and large. And- yeah.
0: I've got the article up and it and it mentions that the financial regulations only specify that a minor breach may be may occur, quote a financial penalty and/or any minor sporting penalties. It could be anything, and obviously harsher punishments are available to material breaches of more than five percent, including race bans and championship exclusions.
1: Right. Good luck. Good luck making sense of that one, folks. Now, what have you made of the news since then, RJ, and the discussions about it, and? What should the appropriate punishment be?
0: There's a there's a lot of times where people just need to acknowledge that they don't know everything, and that's fine. And I, I'm still oh, learning. Great. I'm 110%. still learning the the answers to all this myself. But again, we should stress it. Even I don't know. And I work for a publication that specializes in Formula One coverage, and I still don't know all the inner workings of that. But, uh, Mark Hughes. Credit to the folks at the race. We give them a lot of shit sometimes. But, you know, he did lay <laughs> out some good um, likely flashpoints and some likely loopholes. I think the big one is just having having the factory team siphon off resources and push them down to affiliated teams, whether it's Ferrari people going to Alpha Romeo or, or Haas, whether it's Rebel people going to Alpha whether it's Mercedes people going to Aston Martin or Williams or McLaren, something like that. You know, you have people stashed away in America's top teams, which don't have motors. Those are sailboats. Sailboat, G- sailboat one hundred and one coming soon, by the way. <laughs> uh, but all we can do right now is speculate until we get a mm. full finding
1: of all of this stuff. Apparently, uh, it'll be in the next two weeks. That's right.
0: So maybe by the time you listen to this, but as it stands. Bonato and Total Wolf are entitled to feel like any expenditures, even if they are "quote unquote" minor by the financial regulations, are worth going to war over because they're going to feel like Red Bull just took advantage and and took a little bit off the top more than what they should have if they feel like they if they play by the rules. And mm. Horner is of course entitled to feel like everybody should stop being fixated on how big or how small the lining of his pockets are. Uh, I believe a young Bomani Jones would have uh, described such people as meat peepers
1: early oh, in his yeah. career. you uh, stuck, stuck with the meat that you got. Quit peeping at the next man's meat.
0: But, <sighs> Jerry, I am also fascinated, mortified, of course, to see mm. if they've gone over budget, how much they've gone, and then how hard the hammer comes down.
1: And this is it. I mean, I saw former Red Bull employee turned social media influencer, Dan, AKA engine mode 11, who did six years with that team talk passionately about how disappointed he would be. If it turns out they did break this rule because many of his friends were laid off at Red Bull racing to fit under this cap. Toto Wolf made that point. As well during the course of the of the weekend that yeah we we using used parts we're not doing things the way we should should do we had to lay off like forty people to make this work um you know it's this is a big deal like this is not just F1 politics this is a genuine cataclysmic sort of potential rule break this is the biggest shakeup to the way this sport's been regulated since I can remember.
0: Since the, Concord, since the first Concord agreement in 81, arguably.
1: Yeah, like telling teams, no, you can only spend this much is a huge deal. It's, it's got huge ramifications. And if Red Bull broke the limit for what this is, then that could have a knock-on effect on this year's car, next year's car, etc., because they're all resources and they all count towards the end product that you have now. Um, so look, I know a lot of people are not going to argue this in good faith because let's be real here. The 2021 championship already has in the eyes of many, a big fat fucking Barry Bonds style asterisk on it because of how it ended. And, you know, despite the fact Verstappen had no influence in how that played out. And it was no fault of his to how that season finale played out. A lot of people were like, oh, well, it doesn't really count. Hamilton's the true champ. And I'm like, are we ignoring the, the previous 21 races that came before it? But despite that, this, this season, that, that 21 season's already got tainted shit on it to a degree in the eyes of many. Adding another one because Red Bull might have gone over budget. Is going to be like it's gonna be like pouring kerosene on a bridge that's already on fire between how we talk about these teams in the FIA. And this is the problem. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't say these words very often on this podcast, but I want to heed this point, and I completely agree with what RJ said earlier on this. Mm. I don't know what a valid punishment is on this one. Is that okay to say? Like, is that, like, I can't sit here with a good conscience and tell you what I think the right punishment is. Like, because my logic going into this was, you have to set a strong precedent. Because there's going to be a bunch of teams that are going to look at this situation and are now going to go, well, this rule is now on trial. Is this rule going to be worth breaking in the future or not? Because if the precedent's been set for a a a minor breach or a minor, you know, a minor excursion over the limit, and say they get fined the difference or they get fined like X millions of dollars, there are teams that are going to be sitting there thinking, "Yeah, we can break this." You know, we, we can afford to go over this cap if this is what the punishment is going to be. And if that happens, it gets to the point where the whole cap becomes a farce. Because mm. you're going to have teams that are going to break it reasonably if it gets them an extra championship. They're just going to treat two. it like,
0: like the luxury taps in, oh, in yeah. baseball or something.
1: Yeah, like like the NBA, who the, rich, the really rich team owners, which is weird to say about NBA teams and whatnot, but the guys who really, really want to win... You know the guys that you know will are prepared to dip into the luxury tax will just keep on winning, you know, because they are more than prepared to pay their quote unquote tax, whatever this rep whatever whatever this punishment may or may not be regarding this maybe potential um, rule break, and they'll say you know what it's worth it. So I think you've got to set a harsh precedent here, but again I don't know how far you kick that can down the road or what would be deemed a fair punishment. And I don't envy the FIA. They are in an impossible situation here. If this turns out to be true, where the hell do you draw the line on this? I
0: just find it very funny that these are two, two, two clear-cut instances emerging this weekend where we could have had Ferrari International Assistance TM, play, the, that card played, and, and it just hasn't been.
1: No. Because the FIA came out of a statement saying, "Uh, actually, there's been an unusual amount of media conjecture, and we, <laughs> and, and we don't listen to any of that shit, which I thought was quite funny. Um, so, again, like... All we we can do is speculate. All we can do is
0: speculate. uh, Sometimes people speculate in bad faith. We've, We've talked about it almost to a sickening degree on this podcast.
1: Yeah, and this happens every time it's a major story, and it happens particularly more when it's one of the big two involved whether it's Hamilton or Verstappen. I mean, the jewelry saga came up again briefly this weekend because Hamilton put his nose stud back in and people were prepared to point shotguns at the FIA until they all realized, nope, the doctor said he should put it back in. And I was like, okay, end of story. Um, cool, you know, then the you know, back back to the racing because we, we were waiting to dogpile the FIA for that one. And I was like, oh, no, no, actually, common sense prevailed on this one. Funny that. Um, yeah, that, that horrible, horrible rule that uh, Lewis Hamilton has faced no formal discipline for. Um, I know it was a dreadful time, but this is the problem. You go too soft and people will break this rule because they can if you go too hard, you could potentially further damage the integrity of your sport by changing who wins a championship 10 months after the fact. Like, it, it's a sporting farce that, that would get mainstream media attention and no one wins in those sorts of scenarios. Uh. So what the hell? If you're the FAO, I don't know how the hell you do I mean, personally, having seen what they did with Spygate, I don't think they're going to start taking drivers points off Max Verstappen. I think Verstappen will keep his championship no matter what. Uh, I I my logic is yes Max benefited from Red Bull's cheating but Max was a, it was an innocent bystander in all yeah. of this. I don't think They'll take drivers' drivers championship points away. It's
0: which- like it's like going back 15 years ago. Like yes, Fernando Alonso benefited immensely from his teammate being told to crash the car, but like also, at, at the he's not orchestrating the plan. You can't really just void that win no. as much as some people want to.
1: And he can't just give it to Hamilton either because, well, Hamilton didn't win on paper. You know, I, th- I think, and I agree with Jason in the chat, if there is going to be a deduction, it'll be the constructors' table. Yeah, That makes like, a lot more sense.
0: That wouldn't even, yeah, it wouldn't change the results anyway. I feel like, and I also feel like,
1: if, if they hit the hammer
0: down on Red Bull, like, Man City had this th- had a similar thing happen to them. They got some of their toys taken away until the Court of Arbitration of Sports said, "Actually, no, no, they can keep those toys."
1: Yeah, they were they were originally going to get Doctor Vigan was what about ten million quid because they slightly went over financial fair play um, in terms of FIFA and their regulations. So yeah, there is certainly scope for this. And like I said, we're coming to you from a place of innocence. We don't know how this is going to go down. And we don't think we have a, a hardened, a stance on where I sit on this. Um, I think we should just have to wait and see yeah. how this plays out. Um, yeah. but one but final I w- point- uh, but Yeah, I will say I
0: would be, mm. I would be stunned silent, Like the day that Nico Rosberg just suddenly announces retirement, I would be, I would be stunned in a, in a paralysis if they took Verstappen's title away like that.
1: Mm. Indeed, I, I, I think it would be incredibly harsh, and I think it would be, I think it would answer, I think it would give us more answers than, or questions and answers, I should say, is the phrase I was looking for there, regarding how this all plays out if that was a thing. But we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. We can only hope. Also, one final note: Aston Martin might have broken the cap in a year when he went from fourth to seventh in the constructors. <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> Aston Martin, who torpedoed the hypercar regulations just to leave, then took their GT racing program with them to go enter F1 and be worse with money than they were without money. Hmm. But we're going to turn this around for them. Are you Aston Martin faithful, I know you're listening out there. Oh, yeah. I know you're about to reach for that button and hit nets, but we're going to talk about. Some of our favorite acts of shit, shithouser in this race. And Aston Martin, you know, as funny as the prospect is of them going over budget to get worse, let's give them their due credit for maximizing the weekend. Lance Stroll finished sixth. Oh yeah. Sebastian Vettel finished eighth and it could have been seventh all the way until the clock hit zero before the checkered flag. When Verstappen mm. got past him on the last laugh, that's tough, but you know, that's something. I mean, Vettel had a great start. He went from, 14th on the grid to eighth on the first lap. And Stroll also got his best finish since uh, this team became Aston Martin last year. And my question is, why can't they be like this every weekend?
1: I don't know, RJ, honestly, like <sighs> this was arguably their best weekend of the season. It probably is their best weekend of the season. Like Vettel got an incredible start. I think he gained five spots off the line. Um, and that got him into play. Stroll had probably his best race for Aston Martin. Um, maybe not quite the best since he's been a part of that team, but certainly since he's been driving in green. Um, Stroll is just really good in wet conditions. We've said it before. He's an excellent wet weather guy, and this was an excellent drive from him. He was comfortable in that sixth place the whole way through and was pulling away from his teammate and and Lewis Hamilton. Like that's really impressive driving on 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 any level in what is right now probably the eighth or ninth best car in the field on paper. Like that is um, you know, that's yeah, you know, that's that's a really, really impressive bit of driving. And Seb did really well to hold off those really quick cars behind him as well. I remember
0: but- hearing like an old saying about how when a boxer gets old, like when their speed and their reflexes go, like the last thing that stays is their power. And for some reason, for mm. Sebastian Vettel, that's the last thing that stays with him and as he winds down his career is being really good on a street course because he had another solid drive in Baku earlier this year.
1: Yeah, that was a top six finish as well. He's that was re- his last podium too. The yeah. well, last podium that counted. Yeah, I love that the, apparently the race had a podcast where they were talking about the best street circuit drivers and Sebastian Vettel, who has nine street circuit wins, wasn't mentioned. Like, he's won at Singapore five times, man. He has two wins at Monaco. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, God. Ugh, I, I, I don't understand that that those guys sometimes. But point is, is that he should be mentioned in that conversation more. He's been excellent on the street circuits pretty much all year long. Um, And yeah, I, I, I long may it continue. I just hope Aston Martin can get more days like that, where they had, they had the opportunity to take advantage of an uneven field. Um, and because of the rain and the jumbled up grid, and they actually cashed in this time. Like we saw like in Canada where they blew up their tire pressures, got it wrong and had to start at the back of the field anyway, you know, like they, they've botched opportunities on a similar level to this before, and this time, they executed, so good for them.
0: Yeah, they, Ferrari been- is the reason why we don't mock Aston Martin as the biggest comedy show in F1 some, and most of the time, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, fair play to them. They they did the job, and it didn't look like it was going to be so promising after Q2, but they, they turned around. Dre, we also had implications for fourth in the World Constructors Championship.
1: Um, yeah, McLaren had their best weekend of the year. Fourth and fifth, Philando, Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo came from sixteenth on the grid to finish in fifth. Probably, the
0: crypto cyberpunk car is a lucky
1: <laughs> charm. Yeah, they got rid of the blue. They added some pink and some Vaporwave and OKX all over it, whatever the fuck it was. Daniel was a new crypto sponsor, whatever, the, whatever that bullshit is. But it, it worked. You know, the livery worked and the car worked. I mean, yeah, this is the best weekend McLaren's had pretty much since Ricardo joined this team, well, certainly since Monza last year. So, yeah, Norris. How does Lando Norris have over 100 points in that shitbox? I do not understand. This man is so good. So, so good.
0: You it's know. just been constantly ringing results out of what has been a very up and down car. I know mm. some people on this podcast have theorized that they're just all they can do is just punt on 2023. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. but Daniel Ricardo needed this. And look. I know there's a lot of people who are wishing that Daniel Ricardo could get more out of this, but this was a this was another reminder that he's still got some of it. Yeah. It's just whatever it is, him and McLaren aren't it. No. At, at most weekends. And that's that's fine. But it's good that he got back on the form. And boy, they they need it because they need to pick up points on uh, Alpine, who We're looking good. Fernando Alonso was on provisional pole for a hot second. This could have been Mm. their race in the bag, and both their cars broke down. Do you see Esteban Ocon walking through the subway, taking the subway (laughs) back to his garage? Look, I'm telling you, he is Formula One's most blue-collar driver. Nobody is too
1: good for public transit. He he is Mr. Working Class. I love Esteban Ocon. I love that we've now got a montage of... Drivers in really weird scenarios in their full race suits, like Sergio Perez going back through the Canadian undergrowth, Lewis Hamilton going through the quarry at Spa, <laughs> and now Esteban Ocon is out here taking the subway back to the garage. Um, w- what a time to be alive! I mean, Ocon had a horrible weekend. He qualified down in seventeenth, and then was coming up through the field, and then his engine literally explodes. Oh. Like, the whole thing—it fi- was a classic V10 era blowout. I mean, holy shit! The whole thing went up in smoke, and yeah, spectacular uh, as we say, Kerbal Velen Lager in terms of just a huge goddamn blowup. Um, horrible for him and Alonso in his 350th Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, the first he set a record, yeah, that he's the first. Um, like He's the first uh, Formula One driver to ever have 350 starts. And yeah, the the whole thing, again, went up in smoke. Like I think Alonso said today that he reckons he's left 60 points on the table purely through reliability, and I can't argue with him, really. He's had wretched luck the entire season, and their reliability is the only thing that's stopping Alpine from completely shutting down this fight for 4th. they're letting them back in with this bullshit, so...
0: If it wasn't for these Faberge power plants, uh, they'd be fourth by a mile, and they'd have more customer teams. Pretty
1: much. It's tragic. It really is, and I hate it, but here we are. Um,
0: One other thing that I hate before we get out of town is that it's uh, it's seeming like the W Series is on financial times. Uh, There is a big piece and the Telegraph saying that they're about 7 million pounds in debt, uh, that they've had to scale back their crew to travel to Singapore. Uh, a lot was made about that. A lot of worries that they're, if they're going to be able to finish out their season or not, we don't know if they are. And I, I hate that. I hate that. Mm. Yeah, It's seeming like a lot of stuff has gone down behind the scenes that uh, have not that are not becoming of what a series uh should be and i hate that it's going to put a, a lot of uh talented women racers potentially there's a risk that they could be out of the sport because of this when uh this when the series got them helped get them people like alice powell and Emma lighten back into it and like mm. look Jamie Chadwick is going to be a three-time series champion by the time this all's done. She's had already lights testing opportunities. I'm less worried about her, and it's not because of that terrible, terrible interview that she gave back in July. It's that she's got seemingly a, a nice landing spot lined up for. There's a lot of other drivers in that series that don't, and I'm worried for them. Mm. Hopefully, they get to finish out a proper season in the United States uh, in a couple weeks' time.
1: We'll uh, yeah, see. yeah. Fingers crossed. I mean, look. We've been critical of the W series on this network. I'm not going to suddenly, I'm not going to bait and switch and be and sit on a throne of hypocrisy by saying that I was the biggest fan of this series. I wasn't, and I'm not going to sit here and you know suddenly reverse course and say, yeah, this this is wonderful. I hope it survives. But there's a lot of people in the in that medium level of the W series that are just getting a nice check to make a living off of what they're doing as opposed to, you know, maybe using it to finance something greater. Um, And look, I don't think this was the best way to help get women up the ladder. I think you need to be looking more at schools and at a grassroots level, but there's still a lot of people that are going to miss out on good money, good opportunities, and places in other series as a result of this series potentially going away. And that would suck for a lot of people There, I've already heard of people that have been laid off, people that were, were told basically to stay at home because they couldn't afford to get everybody out to Singapore this weekend for what this was, which is just shit for anybody. And I don't wish that on anybody. And, Definitely and, not. and yeah, I, I wish everyone involved in the W series the best. I hope they can find a way to stay on their feet at least till the end of the season. Uh, from what I've heard, it's a it's more of a cash flow problem. They owe a lot of creditors a lot of money in different places, and that's the biggest issue. I mean, Companies House themselves have said, look, for a startup, this is not an unusual amount of debt. It's just that they ain't got cash. Apparently, a deal they had signed off had fallen through, and that's now got the series living hand-to-mouth, and that sucks. Yeah. Um, I you know cash flow problems can can fuck any business over no matter how much money you're making or not making so yeah i i I just sincerely hope that everybody involved can land on their feet and that you know they can find a way to keep the wheels turning, like I said, at least till the end of the season, at least, you know, so they can pay everybody involved, get everybody their prize money that they've, they've busted their ass for and just go from there. And yeah, like, I know it wouldn't take an awful lot to, to save this series. Um, and look, like I said, I'm not going to pretend like I've not been critical of this part of the ladder, but it's better than any of the other alternatives that we've got right now. So let's get behind it and hope that we can do enough to give some of these talented women a chance. Oh yeah. The
0: one thing that I don't want out of all this is if, if we do get to a point that the W series, uh, can no longer race that. I hope that the lesson to be learned is not that, you know, we shouldn't try. Right. And that's maybe it just needs a rethink, but we're going to Japan next week. And, uh, our East Asian rounds are back on the calendar. Nature is healing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're going back to Honda's home track, and it's the second championship point for Max Verstappen for to clinch on Honda's home track a year after they've officially pulled out of full-scale F1 opportunities. That's tough.
1: Yeah, like, I'll keep the math simple. Win and fastest lap guarantees the title for Verstappen. He needs to outscore Leclerc by eight to win the title this weekend at japan and that's probably the most likely and easiest way of that to happen if he wins and gets fastest lap it doesn't matter what Charles Leclerc does Verstappen leaves japan as a two-time formula one world champion But another good news, it's Japan! Who doesn't love Suzuka? It's great to be back. Um.
0: I love Suzuka. I want to go to this. I've been in the track before, but I've never been for Grand Prix weekend. And it sounds like it looks like it's a fun time.
1: It does, I'm really and look, it's one of the few races I'm genuinely excited to get up early for to watch in the UK because it's a 6 a.m. start here. And I don't care because I love Japan. So yeah, really looking forward to that one and seeing how that plays out. But uh, yeah, Japanese Grand Prix this weekend as a back-to-back in Formula 1. Next episode, as mentioned, MotoGP in Thailand. Uh, we, a race that very nearly didn't happen. Um, thunderstorms, torrential downpours, And uh, Miguel Oliveira, again, another huge dub for the the sport's new Undisputed Rainmaster. I'll be joined by Cam Buckley to talk over that one in another Bike Life Soft reboot later on this weekend. But uh, yeah, like I said, Formula One back in Japan this weekend. Basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101. RJ O'Connell to follow him on Twitter. At mo- um, Harrison101HD for me. Motorsport 101 pod on Instagram. Our website, motorsport101.com. And our Patreon page if you want to back us financially on there. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Thanks to Jason in the audience for listening and helping us out. Much appreciated. Until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. He's been RJ O'Connell. Until then. Sayonara.
0: Later, y'all.
1: My god, we haven't got a post-credit joke for once. What happened?
0: I, uh, I got lost in, in shipping somewhere. Maybe it's stuck in the Suez Canal again, who knows. Ugh, not again.